Welcome to the House of Style podcast, a conversation series where we talk to prominent Australian interiors figures about their design journey, what inspires them and where they're headed. This is a deep dive into their past, present and futures, discussing what it takes to become an iconic figure in today's interiors landscape. With our background as style editors, we've crossed paths with some incredible furniture and homewares brands, designers, artists and makers. This is our way to share their inspiring stories with you, the listener. I'm interior stylist Kerri-Ann Jones. And I'm interior designer Jono Fleming. And welcome to the House of Style. Hi Jono. Hi Kerri-Ann. So today we're doing something a bit different and special. Yes, we've decided to drop two bonus episodes where we'll be interviewing each other for a change. And we're going to explore our past, present and futures. Yes, so we thought it was a good chance for you all to get to know a little bit more about us. That's right. And there's definitely some fun facts about the two of us that get revealed in these episodes. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, like something about a window in England that you might need to share. Um, yes, that <laughs> will definitely be covered. But there's also really great stories about our careers and our experiences in the industry. Yeah, definitely. And especially for budding stylists and designers, our stories are honest and we share our experiences with you. Yeah, we talk about the good, the bad, the sometimes not so pretty, but it's all in there. Yep. And you're up first. Are you ready? Um, yep. Let's do it. Let's rip off this band-aid. <laughs> <laughs> so on the House of Style today, we have interior designer Jono Fleming. Jono, Hi. <laughs> how does it feel to be on the other side to be interviewed? I'm a little nervous. I'm not going to lie. Feels a little strange, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's take it back to the beginning. What were you like growing up? I bet you were a cheeky kid, weren't you? Uh, uh, I mean, maybe a little bit. Yeah. Let's, we'll take it back <laughs> to the beginning, I guess. Um, yeah, I was... Born in Sydney, born and bred, child of the late 80s. And I, I don't know, I had a very lovely upbringing. My parents were always really supportive when I was a kid. I'm a, maybe a bit of a stereotype of a Asian child where I <laughs> have been playing piano and violin since the age of three. Oh my um, gosh, three. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And I think it was just, I had an older sister and she played piano and violin. And I said, well, I want to play piano and violin. But yeah, I was really very heavily focused on music as a kid, actually growing up. We grew up in the yep. suburbs. Yeah, I think I was a bit naughty as a kid. I think I just couldn't <laughs> I totally focus. see it. <laughs> <laughs> we used to have this piano that you could put a floppy disk into the upright piano and record really? and it'd play back and the keys would move without you touching it. I'd go upstairs and I'd practice the piano and I'd play a couple of bars that I'm practicing but I'd record that, then play it for like 10 minutes and read comic books while mum was downstairs listening, <laughs> thinking, oh yeah, he's practicing and I'm just sitting there reading comic books. So yeah, I was naughty, but like, I'd, I'd say pretty, pretty that's smart. That's actually very smart. <laughs> right? <laughs> like he kind of handed it to me. <laughs> that, that's very clever. I love it. Yeah. What, what did you want to be when you were younger? Mm, I don't. No. Funnily enough, I did music right up until the end of high school. And the one thing I knew I didn't want to be was a musician. Yeah. You know, mum was strict with piano and violin, but she was never, she always did offer the way out. She said, if you want out, you can stop. And we'd always say, no, I don't want to stop. And I just knew I loved being creative though. And I think music was a bit of an outlet for that. But 
I know, I think I was in year four and most kids in year four are probably asking for like toy monster truck, things like that for their birthday. And I really wanted art lessons. So mom found a local art teacher and he came and like the bougie little child I was, I had oil painting lessons one day a week for a few years as an eight year old, which I think it was always just going to be creative. No matter what, it was going to be something really creative. After you left high school, what happened then? At the end of high school for, you know, exams, I did what you weren't supposed to do was take all the creative subjects. So I did music, drama, art and English and (laughs) no maths, no science, all the art subjects. And I worked really hard at them and I loved it. And I did really well because all I wanted to do was get into Kofa. I just wanted to get into Kofa. And of course, the way unis are and were was that to get into a creative university, you had to get ridiculous 90s marks to get into yeah, a creative uni. Is... Yeah, it was so stupid. And I worked my ass off, did really well, and then took a year off and went to England oh, on yeah. a gap year. What did you do over there? I was working at a performing arts high school as just the gap oh, student, cool. as like the assistant teacher pretty much. Yeah. And it was funny because my school organised a gap program where they sent a lot of people over. And in the interviews, because he had a big interview to get selected into the program some of my friends were getting asked if a student offers you alcohol what would you do tries to get you to do something that's compromising what would you do and then I was getting asked questions like could you conduct an orchestra could you run the school musical and I was like where are the fun questions (laughs) Um, but I think they knew they wanted to send me to this performing arts high school because of what I did and then when I got there I went to like a stuffy North Shore private school with uniforms and boaters and everything. So I got to this school in the middle of the English countryside and it was no uniforms, teachers and students by first names. It was kindergarten to sixth form, which is like year 12 in the UK. And I was like, what is this world? I'm living in a boarding house. We can do whatever we want. We had a pretty wild year. I think it was a good fun year of travel no consequences. You think you're an adult, even though you're 18. Yeah. And <laughs> lots of fun stuff happened that year. Lots that I can't remember because I maybe had a few too many yeah. drinks. It was so fun. I can't remember. <laughs> it was so much fun. I can't remember. Also, this is this is one of those like, tell us a thing you don't know about Jono. I once got so drunk, I fell out a three-story window. No, you didn't. <laughs> oh my goodness. I, did yeah. You, did you break any bones? What happened? I was, it was a drizzly <laughs> evening. I think it was September and we were just drinking in our little attic that the Gap students used to hang out in. And I was sitting on the window ledge and slid out and fell down and I didn't break anything. I had three stitches what? under my chin and that was it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That and I was, is incredible. Yeah. I'm very You're lucky. So I should have died. Far <laughs> out. Yeah. Just, you Jeez. know, stupid 18-year-old. Living things. on the edge, yeah. <laughs> literally. <laughs> didn't, didn't tell my parents until I got home. I think on the way back from the airport when they picked me up and I was like, by the way, they're like, what? I was like, well, nothing happened. Didn't need to worry oh, you. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty squeaky clean. I'm pretty, I'm, I'm a bit of a suck up at school, but I have my moments still. <laughs> That's awesome. So when you came back from your gap year, what happened? What did you do? Did you start studying? I got into Kofa and I went to the open day at uni and I was all excited because yes, I'm finally back. And actually, while I was on my gap year, I helped redecorate my friend's apartment and we were ripping up carpet and polishing floorboards. And it's really fun. I love this interiors type of thing and came back and I was like, okay, 
gonna go to Kofa, gonna do my degree of design. And I went to the open day and they were taking us around the classrooms and you're in a big group of people that you don't know. And they were like, one of your first major assignments, this is what they did last year. They made this helmet out of paper. And I was like, um, I, I don't want to do that. And they're like, join this yeah. uni society and join this club and all of this stuff. And I was like, I, I felt so overwhelmed. I kind of left halfway through the orientation day, sat yeah. in my car and was having a bit of a panic attack because I was like, I don't want to do this. This isn't what I want. This isn't what I want. Yeah. And I was looking at, I called my sister and she's like, well, it's kind of too late for you to enroll in other unis because the cutoff date was end of last year. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And she goes, oh, she went to White House Institute of Design for fashion a few years before me. She goes, well, why don't you go to White House? You know, they've got an interiors program. Maybe you could do that for a year and then, because it was only a diploma course, and then go to uni after that. So you get a bit of a year head start. And I was like, okay. So they'd already started, but I got in anyway a few weeks late. I had the best time. And luckily, uh, after one year there, they actually changed it to be a degree course. So I stayed the full three years. Oh, and um I, I loved uni. It was so much fun. Just being yeah. in interior design and learning about it. It was everything I wanted. So after you left uni, did you get a job or did you do an internship? Like I said, I was a bit of an overachiever, bit of a suck up. I say I'm a suck up, but like I was definitely just over eager. I loved design, but I worked really, really hard. And I think Honestly, it goes back to my mum being strict with music. She really instilled like a work ethic into us as kids. Yeah. So I was very lucky the way I was brought up, but also like I worked really hard and at uni. Yeah, you were driven. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also just my self-diagnosed ADHD. If I don't, if I don't like do something, I'm going to go out of my mind. So I have to do something. I, at uni, I worked really hard and I got rewarded an internship with um, Burley, Kate and Halliday which was one of the biggest okay, firms, yep. which is, yeah. of, you know, the really yeah, iconic amazing. firms in Sydney. And I did six months there, one day a week, unpaid. And I was sticking together mood boards, cutting out foam core and things like that. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> and doing a bit of CAD drawing. And it was just that eye-opening experience that as much as I loved uni and learned so much and got to experiment, everything I learned in those six months, one day a week, I took so much into the real world application from it. Yes. And yeah. I think that was, you know, that it, it sort of paid you off. You could actually see it. You could actually see it happening in front of your, your eyes. Yeah. You know, what you learned in an actual professional Project. Totally, and, and it's not this part of that process and understanding. Yeah. yeah, and it's not this fantasy thing when you're studying where it's like, well, I'm just going to use this material, whatever this fabric is, and I don't have to worry about the engineering if the wall's going to stay up or I just knock it out. But this was real world. But then, I think after uni, it was I was finding it hard to get work. It would be hard and to I, get foot in the door, like yeah. as, as a proper job out I, of uni. Yeah, totally. And I just was really lost, and it's even the girls in my class they weren't really pursuing interiors as much as I just wanted to be that person. So I worked for a sort of small interior firm here and there, but I actually went back to White House straight away and started teaching tech drawing. Oh, wow. I, so you became the teacher. <laughs> yeah, I became the teacher. And it was really weird that like people that were my peers in the year below me, all of a sudden I was teaching them. I was too, I think I was a bit too young, to be honest. Like I was 23 <laughs> and teaching. A teacher at 23, that's, wow, that's impressive. It was, yeah, it was, it was an interesting time. I once had a student say, we think you're 27, but you act like you're 21. And I'm like, 
I don't know what that means. I'm old. <laughs> I look old, but I'm immature. I, yeah. I mean, nothing's changed too much. <laughs> 20. Yeah. And, and then eventually, I think I was there for a couple of years teaching. And then I thought, I can't keep saying I'm an interior designer. I've worked in a few small firms, CAD drawing here and there. I'm like, I need to go and get a real job and be a part of this industry. <laughs> so I quit uni, actually. I was like, you know what? I'm actually just going to quit and force myself to go out into the industry. And um, I ended up landing a job with a small interiors firm. And it was just myself and the director of the firm. And I was there for about two years and it was high-end residential, really amazing projects, all of them sort of in the eastern suburbs of Sydney. So we had a lot of money to play with and I learned a lot, (laughs) but I think I was still kind of unfocused and he went away for a couple of months and left me in charge. Wow, that's a big responsibility. Yeah. and Wow. And I don't think I was ready for it, to be honest. I don't think I had the drive to actually... you know, as much as I worked really hard, I think something was missing and I just didn't love it as much as I kept saying I did. I also met someone at that time when he was away and, you know, all in the span of two months fell in love and got my heart broken. And I think that sort of also (laughs) contributed to me not paying attention at work when I was supposed to be running this firm. Yeah. He got back and then after a week, I was fired on the spot pretty unceremoniously. Yeah. So I broke up with the person that had broken my heart on the Sunday. Monday morning, I got into the office. Monday lunchtime, I was walked out of the office. Oh, and yeah. then five minutes after leaving the office, I hit the back of a car. And I was like, well, that's that's three. No. <laughs> that's oh. three things. That's it, right? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and I'm like oh, dear. 25, living it, finally, like, you know, moved out of home to my first apartment with my friends. And I was like, I'm 25. I'm unemployed. It's all over. My life is over because 25 (laughs) used to be my scary age. And I was a mess. And and it was hard because that was around 2008. And so that was just around the financial crisis. No one's looking to hire interior designers. So what did you do? I applied everywhere. I think I applied for my top 10. In my top 10, I got an interview. It was actually with Alexander and co. And I had an interview with them and I was like, oh, amazing. This is like, they're in my top five. I love them. And I got an interview with them, had a sit down and they just changed their CAD program over from what I'd been using and teaching to a completely different one I wasn't familiar with. And they're like, you're just not right because we need someone really Uh proficient. And I'm like, that's okay. That was one of my top five. I got my interview in the first week. I'll be fine. At least you you got, yeah, you had the opportunity. They considered you. uh, After that, I then applied for, that didn't hear back from anyone. So I went, okay, here's my top 10. Here's my top 20. Just go on to Job Seeker and find something and nothing. Like I couldn't get a single job. And I just started to get really depressed. And I think I spent about four months just unemployed. I watched the entire run of The Sopranos lying (laughs) in bed. (laughs) We got to do something productive. Exactly. I had to do something. And I don't know. I think in hindsight, I actually was quite heavily depressed and I didn't realize it. I actually applied for MasterChef. I forgot about that. Right after I got fired, I applied for MasterChef because I always cooked and I liked cooking. And then I said, well, what's going to happen is I'm going to get onto MasterChef. I'm going to make it, get on the side of a bus. And that person I broke up with is going to see my face on the side of a bus (laughs) and be like, wow, I missed out. And what happened there? I actually got through to a cooking audition on MasterChef. Oh, yeah. And 
it was a mystery box challenge type thing. None of it was on TV. What's it like being, yeah, under that pressure of filming, cooking and... It was weird. And I like went in being like, I don't know what we're doing at all. And then they give you a mystery box. And so I made some type of like chicken tostada type thing. And they came around and it was the producers, not the judges. They came around, they tasted my food and they said, oh, it tastes a bit like old El Paso. And I was like, oh, how insulting. I said to them, I think I said to them, it's never that. (laughs) And they just went, "Mm, no. So I didn't get into MasterChef, but then I sort of got a bit of a, a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. And my friend, Jessica Belliff, who I actually had taught with at White House back in the day, She was working for Temple and Webster at the time. I caught up with her and Chris Deal, who's the creative director there. We went out for a drink and I was like, I think I want to do food. I want to do maybe it's some type of food styling. I don't know. I don't know what. I've watched a lot of TV and I've just watched (laughs) a lot of things and I don't know what I'm doing with my life. So Jess said, come over to Temple and Webster one day a week. Just give it a go. See what you can do. Yeah intern with us unpaid and I was like okay whatever but at that time at Temple and Webster Karen McCartney was working there and her name pops up again (laughs) (laughs) and I was I was reading Karen's Inside Out when I was studying it was my bible and then oh my gosh maybe I should give it a go at this place why not you know Karen's there it's got to be pretty good so yeah for sure I remember those early days of Temple and Webster that I was there. I was packing and unpacking boxes and I was like, what am I doing? Like, Jess told me to come along and be a stylist and here I am packing and unpacking boxes. And at uni, I taught a lot of girls who did the styling degree. And I felt like a lot of them just wanted to be Rachel Zoe or be a fashion stylist. And yeah, were really flip about their attitude. And I was like, styling is not a real job interior design is serious styling is what is styling anyway and prude i know i know what an what a dummy i turned out to be um and i was working with amazing people there like i was working the two that really like helped me with jess was amali stewart who ended up working for donna hay and now styles for delicious And Adam yes, Powell, the boy from the bush, yep. he was one of the, yes. my teachers at the start. Actually, he was a student at White House and then ended up being my styling teacher at TNW. Oh, wow. And he That's styles, awesome. He does the most amazing work now as well. And he does some incredible installations, doesn't he? Yeah. And so I was learning under them and I just wasn't motivated. I think it took me about a year of being at Temple and Webster one or two days a week. Before, and I was starting to style a bit, you know, do a rug shot here. May, yeah, I was going to say, well, is it maybe when you started to have the opportunity to style there that you I think, sort of became more interested in it? Yeah, maybe a little bit. I think I was still really lost and I feel like I wasn't ready to say I was a stylist. I wasn't ready to say those words yeah. out loud. A job came up at one of the amazing firms and they still are one of my favourite firms and a job came up and I was like, I should go for this. I should apply for this because it's exactly my qualification. And I sort of made this weird choice and I'm like, do I do this or not? I just, I don't know. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to stick it out with styling. And my parents have always been supported and supportive of me. And it was one of the few times where my mum was like, are you sure this is what you want to do? You've worked really hard to be an interior designer. 
do you want to do this? And I said, yes. And she goes, okay, then we support you. I, yeah, I, I don't know. Nice. I don't know what the turning point was. And I think, I think it was just one day I just was like, oh, I just did a really good shot today. And, oh. Yeah, yeah. Look what I could actually achieve. What can you build out of nothing as a stylist on a set? And you create this fake little world. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's really fun, actually. That was early days of Temple and Webster. And just to really sidetrack, back to food, I yeah. went on this, because I was still freelancing and I think I had it in my head, I'm going to be a food yeah. stylist. I know I do a lot of yeah. interiors, but food styling's interesting. And This is while you're at Temple and Webster as yeah. well. So I'm doing sort of one day a week at Temple and Webster uh, yeah. Yeah. and, you know, assisted yeah. a few people on like a women's weekly cookbook shoot or something and... Someone said, oh, do you mm-hmm. want to go and wash dishes for this woman? She's this feisty Italian woman. And do you want to go wash dishes for her? She's doing a cookbook. Just a few few days a week, like 100 bucks to go wash her dishes. Sure. And they're like, be, be careful, though. She's really feisty. And I was like, okay, this sounds, <laughs> sounds really scary. So I go Yikes. to the Northern Beaches <laughs> and I meet, I meet this woman and I'm at her house and you know, she's shooting her cookbook and there's food stylists and photographers there and I'm washing dishes. And then a few days in, I'm being really quiet. I'm being like tiptoeing. I'm in eggshells. Very unusual for you, Jono. Uh, To be quiet? (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? That's how scared I was of her. And then on like the third day, I think the Lumineers or some awesome band was playing on her speaker. And I was like, I love this song. And she turned and she was like, oh, yeah, it's really good. And then I think we realized we had some good similar taste in music and we were chatting and we started to chat more. I think it was, so it's Sylvia Kolika and it it was her second cookbook. And I think she might've been a bit nervous because she's in the the zone to do her second cookbook. Yeah, in the moment, trying to get everything done and making sure she's right, yeah. So by about day three, we kind of both loosened up a bit. And then I was like, hey, she's not scary. She's actually really nice. And then we started talking and I was like, I love watching you cook. I love cooking. And she's like, oh, this woman's just making pasta like it's no tomorrow and it's fun. And she got me to start chopping things up. And then she was like, here, take a bit of this dough home, make something. And I'd bring back a photo of what I made the next day. And then after two weeks of cooking together, she was like, oh, middle of the year, I have to go to Italy to film my TV show, her first TV show. And she's like, I need a prep chef. I think they're looking at just getting someone from the local village, but would you be interested in coming over to Italy in the middle of the year? I'm like, um, oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. This will never happen in a million years because why would they spend that money when they can't get a local cook? But yes, if it happens, sign me up. So middle of that year, I got a bit of time off from Temple and Webster and I spent two weeks in the Italian countryside with Sylvia and the crew. Oh my goodness. And I that was sounds cooking. Like behind the scene I was the part I was the here's what I prepared earlier guy and I had never had any professional cooking experience and I messed up a lot (laughs) there were times I brought a whole thing of like a whole tray of pasta that I had previously done that I rolled up and I got to set and Sylvia's like that's not the shape (laughs) like that's not what we were looking for and so instead of losing it like I was so scared one day she might just at me 
um, you know, the whole crew got in and we all re-rolled it, the sound guys, everything. You know, it was a really amazing yeah. shoot of a cute, like a really close little family. And the best part of that entire experience is now I have an incredible friendship with Sylvia. You know, we've worked together now for six years on books and TV shows and she's really taught me so much on how to navigate a career and being focused and creating your own path. Uh, she's an amazing person. I really, really look up to her. You know, she gave me the most incredible experience and I came back going, food, it's definitely food. I want to do food. Yeah, yeah. You know, I want to yeah. be a food stylist. I was still doing Temple and Webster, but they were so generous with me. And they were like, how about you start doing food shoots at Temple and Webster? You know, we sell cookware, we sell plates, do the styling for the plate Amazing. shoot and then write a recipe, practice your writing, all of that. So oh, I was, that's awesome. Yeah. And I was like, is this some weird new food career I'm going down? And I was at Temple and Webster for about three, three and a half years. And that was a huge learning curve for me. We did everything ourselves. We unpacked all the boxes. We repacked the boxes. We got stuck in the lifts, moving the boxes up and down, Damn. like in the warehouse. <gasps> there was so much that we grew in the space and grew as a team. And, you know, I worked my way up to be the senior stylist there eventually. and you know, it was a, it's, it's tough. You were doing three to four shoots a day, five days a week. Like different sets, you mean? Different sets. So maybe three to four different set builds a day, five days a week. And it's full on getting there early and painting the sets and a lot of planning and, you know, yeah. And and there was a point where it was Adam, um, myself, Sarah Cousins, and little Nikki. The four of us were sort of this little team and then it moved to being me and Sarah running the studio together. And it was a really fun time, growing a lot. I was still doing shows and books with Sylvia on the side and I was keeping myself up at night going, everyone says I need to write a book, a cookbook. And I just kept going, "Yeah, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What's the... Do we need to hear another Asian immigrant's child tell the story of how they found their culture through food? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if <laughs> I need not? to. I'm like, I just don't know if that's what I want to do. And everyone's like, oh, tell, yeah, yeah. like write about Taiwanese food. And I'm like, I don't think I care enough about it. I like eating it. I don't know yeah. if I care. And it wasn't until I met a friend on one of Sylvia's shows and she was assisting me and she started talking about food. And I was like, oh, I don't care about food that way. I don't want to educate people about food. I just, yeah, it's not for me. I love. You just do it because you, you enjoy it. It's not necessarily you want to do it yeah. as a career. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and that shoot, that TV show it. we did with Sylvia, the second one I did with her was really tough. And I think I was really worn out, you know, Temple and Webster hours were getting to me. This was a tough shoot. And I think I was like, I think it's not food for me. And the minute I said, I don't want to write a cookbook, which is a really weird thing of (laughs) self-realization. But the minute I said that, I had this huge weight lift off my shoulders as if like I could breathe again. Because you you kind of felt like I have to do this, but I don't know if I really want to. And you just felt that pressure. Yeah. That you had to do something. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't it. So you stayed at Temple and Webster for three and a half years. Yeah. So I was at Temple and and Webster and... Loving it, running the studio, styling my ass off, learning 
building bigger sets every week going, how can I make a fake kitchen? How can I make a fake bathroom? How can we, you know, build a... I don't know how you do that without any prep time. It was... That any... Yeah. So it was... Prep if you're shooting five days. It was... So there were two stylists um, and we had a great turn of interns coming in and helping. You know, every Monday morning we'd sit down and have our meeting about here's the next two weeks. And then we'd actually have, a, we had a physical board where I'd, we'd pin out things and cut out images. And we knew because the buyers would give you the shoots and go, we're doing a Hampton okay, theme yep. and we're hitting this yep. audience. This is our target market. It's the 40 to 60 audience. We didn't really choose what product was coming. So if you didn't love it, too bad. Make it look amazing. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. And it was really interesting because it really taught me how to style, not for myself, but for a customer, really target that yeah. customer. A demographic. Yeah. yeah. And Alira and I would take turns, you know, maybe I'd have half a day to plan and then she'd have half a day to plan. And then that was it for the next two weeks sort of thing. And you just oh, keep goodness. going. And then around 2016, 15, I don't even remember. Um, I have a family farm which has been in the family since 1969. So, oh wow, beautiful property just past Oberon, yeah. and it's um got pine trees and it's just heaven out there. And we'd always lived in a series of like literal shacks and a little cottage up at the farm, and it was never luxury. It was never we renovated the cottage so it was comfortable, but we'd always take friends and family and groups of people and it was too small to entertain. And around 2015, it was the right time. And, you know, my grandma had left my dad some money when she passed away and it was his dream to have this dream house on the farm. I said to him, let's build it. He was looking at kit homes and I said, why are we, why are you looking at kit homes? Let, let's just build the dream yeah. house. And You can design it. Yeah, I was like, I'll design it. And he was like, oh, really? Yeah. Are you sure? And I'm like, yeah. And so my friend, Alison Williams, who was an interior designer I had taught with at uni, went up to the farm one weekend, stayed in the cottage, drank probably like two bottles of red wine each and just started <laughs> scribbling. And honestly, I reckon about 90% of what we scribbled down that day was <laughs> what we ended up building. Yeah, so Alison yeah. ended up designing it with me and her husband, Todd, built it. He moved up there and lived there. And oh, that's awesome. it was a dream project and my parents really trusted me. Yeah. How long did it take to, um, to build it? Ooh, I think it was somewhere between like 10 months. Like it was a long build because it's yep. half an hour out of a, any main town. Yeah. So, so getting supplies. Getting supplies. And that's where the like main expense of the build came from because every kilometer costs dollars. So that was a, it was a big build. And so happy with it and inside out actually had gotten wind of the build they said oh can we shoot this and i said yeah of course what inside out wants to shoot my farmhouse it's so yeah what? i've never done anything this big i've never styled a home this big so i brought two carloads worth of props that i borrowed from suppliers that i knew and pulled things from temple and webster's you know prop room and i just pulled everything <laughs> actually the like two people that were like life interiors was amazing to me they were 
so good and they helped me so much. They lent me artworks and chairs and ottomans and um, oh, awesome. our mate Karen at the DEA store in Redfern, she yes. was like, take vases, take sheets. And I'm really, really appreciative to those guys, both of them, because they helped just pull this together. And I went up with Claire Bradley, who was the editor back then. And she came along. She's like, I don't normally come for a shoot, but... I want to come and stay at the farm. She just really wanted to check it out. Yeah. (laughs) And so we did a food shoot up there. We did the house shoot all in one weekend. And I was shooting with Anson Smart, who is, I mean, he's amazing. He is like the elite of, yeah, of um, interior photography. And that was like my first big interiors, interior shoot. And I was like, Anson Smart, this is crazy. So we shot the farm. And then after that, a few months later, Claire called me and she goes, I've got this job going at Inside Out. Our style editor's leaving and wondering if you'd like to come and have a chat about it. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Something I'd always said to myself was before I'm 30, I'm going to move to New York. I want to live in New York. I want to move to New York. And I was like, I was planning on moving to New York next year. I was just going to do it. And Claire was like, well, do you want to go to New York or do you want to come work for Inside Out sort of thing? And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. So very similar to how Claire Del Mar said, she went down for an interview and had a little chat. And then by the end of it, she was like, do you want anything else from me? And, and the same thing sort of happened. I had a chat with Claire Bradley and Mia Daminato, who's the creative director there. They were like, okay, great. Uh, after the chat. And I'm like, great yeah, what? Great what? <laughs> like, oh, I just got a job at Inside Out. That's crazy. So I had to do a, yeah, I had to do a very tearful farewell from my Temple and Webster family. I very embarrassingly from start of the day to the last drink at my farewell, I cried so much. (laughs) (laughs) I cried all day. It was one of those things where a joke goes on too long. Okay, this is funny. Now it's not funny. It's kind of yeah. funny again. <laughs> and then it get like it just kept going in waves. Are you kidding me? Is he still crying? Bawling and bawling, going like, I can't leave Temple of Webster. Um, and, oh, that's so funny. And those people there are still like some of my closest friends and colleagues, like their family. They taught me so much. And I think mainly they took a chance on me when I was really lost. Like I had no idea what I wanted to do. And they took a huge gamble on me. And I, I was... I wasn't very good at my job for the first year there and they still persevered and they were like, no, we're going to give him a chance. Yeah, they saw something. Yeah. Yeah. So you finished at Templar Webster. So that takes us into the present. I mean, that's that's a big chunk of past, I guess. That's a big chunky past. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the thing. I've been in this design world for so long. Nothing's ever as linear as you think it will be in this job, you know. Then I got into magazines thinking, okay, Mm. pretty here for a while. We know how this ends. (laughs) But yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But similar similar story for both of us. Yeah. But um I'd never expected to have a job with the word editor at the end of it. What does that even mean? Nobody finishes school and goes, I'm going to be the style editor of a magazine. I wasn't even... Well, there's no style editor jobs There's, there's that not many anymore. left. Yeah, that's true. There's <laughs> um, only yeah. one in the industry now. <laughs> yeah, but you know, this was only a few years ago and I was like, what is this job? And I'd never properly called up a company and go, hi, can I loan your $5,000 chair? Oh, okay. Yep. 
that's fine. I'll just pick it up in my car. And, okay, yeah, that's fine. Like I was so lost that I remember one of my jobs was putting together the trend pages and, you know, Claire would sort of say, okay, just present to me what you think the new colour trends are coming up. Well... I don't know, is, is this right? Like I did this sort of nude blush sort of thing. And I'm like, who signs off on this? And she's like, you, you do. You're the style editor. That's your job. You're telling us what the trend is. And I was like, oh, I, I'm, I'm not used to being that authority because yeah. I think sometimes in the past I could have, I've, I'd gotten a bit of an ego and gotten a bit too big headed So I'd sort of spent a few years just trying to talk myself down a bit. All of a sudden I was in a job where it was like, no, 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 you're doing... You are the authority. You're the authority. You're the one telling people what to buy, so to speak. And I was like, oh, wow, that's... I've never properly earned that until now. I've finally sort of got into a space where I can actually own that and, you know... Claire obviously saw that in you, that you're capable of of being that person, being that authority. That's why she hired you. She yeah. was, I, I mean, as an editor, she was, she's, and if she's listening, Claire, I will tell you this to your face <laughs> as well. But, you know, I spent six hours in the car before I worked for her going up to the farm and back again. And by the end of that trip, I was like, that lady just became my mentor and she doesn't even know it because the way yes. she would talk about work, the way she saw business, the way she worked deals and every single minute that I was with Claire at Inside Out, I learned so much every event that I went to that she talked to a client and to this day she still teaches me everything I need I'll call her up and be like I'm having a crisis and she goes stop it (laughs) let's look at this and and so you know she's really quite a special person and yeah took that chance on me and uh, I had an amazing first year at Inside Out you know it was doing shoots and and I think when you're at Temple and Webster when you're in these smaller firms or smaller places you look at the magazines like they are this big shiny thing and they are yeah and also they're not it is all smoke and mirrors like everything else in the industry like any set you build it's smoke and mirrors and yeah we're on budgets and the difference is, is that, yes, you get to use prettier furniture, maybe. You get to use more expensive furniture. You get a bit more variety. But the day in and day out of the job is exactly the same. You are still going onto set, painting a wall, putting furniture in, getting the photo taken. There's no difference yeah. except for what the photo's of. And I was getting to do my dream sets. I was building sets and doing furniture and going to events and talking. And then Inside Out got sold over to another company. And yes. it was a very different vibe. And I still had a really good time, but Claire didn't come over well, with that's Inside how, Out. how we became closer friends, isn't it? And that's it? how we met. Because you came over to the company that um, I was yeah. working at and... Um, that, that was kind of the nice thing. I think we felt like we weren't sort of competing anymore. We were sort of absolutely we friends. Yeah. And in such a small industry as well, there's only so many styling jobs and they're getting fewer and fewer. It's really hard not to be competitive. And all of a sudden people like you, Kayla, who had worked for House and Garden, House and these, Garden. Yep. all these people that I really loved their work. I was actually getting to be in the building with them, go over, have a chat with them at their desk, you know, really create this little bond. Yeah, community. And yep. then um, refer to your story to see what started to happen at <laughs> the company. <laughs> and I think I got made redundant six months after you had. And 
Yes. It was pretty much two years exactly to the day at Inside Out that I'd been there. And I don't regret my time there. I, I love it. It gave me a platform to teach design, which is what I really realized. Yeah. That's what I want to do. I want to teach design. Like that job, you learn so much. Like you're literally thrown in the deep end and mm. you just learn so much in that very short space of time. Yeah. Um, and how to, you know, I guess discover trends and build these sets, interior sets and showing people how to decorate their homes. And yeah. It's so fast paced. Um, that you just pick up so much so quickly. And, and you know, that's what I felt. Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, I don't know about you, but I, I always thought I know my style. I know what I want. I like and all of that. And in the first six months of being at Inside Out, I think my personal style not fully changed, but it just evolved. It went from the small Pokemon to the big Pokemon, not the middle one. Like Pokemon. it just <laughs> <laughs> jumped a huge way because you're all you about- <laughs> Pokemon. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'd, I'd stick to what I know. Um, but it's that thing <laughs> where like all of a sudden you're exposed to all these amazing brands you'd never heard of and you're seeing things in a different way and you're analysing things differently and you're looking at trends and you go, do I want this in my house? Do I want this at home? Mm. And my house, my personal style just jumped leaps and bounds for better or worse as you know, I have a lot of stuff everywhere now, but I, I just learned so much about myself in that time. And I think yeah. getting to the end of mags, I was going, I don't know if this is right anymore. I was really upset going into work and I, I'm never yeah. upset at work. I love work no matter what, you know. Well, I guess we, we didn't really know what was going on. It was that yeah. uncertainty that sort of made you feel a bit sick to your stomach. You're just like, oh. Yeah. Gosh, what's going to happen today? Uh, Am I going to have a job today? I don't know. That's it. And, 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 you know, as I'm sure you went through as well, there was this thing of, okay, I'm going to be out on my own and I need to have some type of control and ownership of what I'm doing. Like I, I want to, you know, yes, we have to answer to people, but I want to be able to make my own future. I want to make my own direction. Absolutely. And it's, yeah. um, it just, it doesn't happen overnight though. You can't do it when you're 20. You don't know enough. You don't learn enough. You need to, yeah. I think, go through the good and the Have bad. Under your belt. Yeah. Yeah. And so I left inside out and you know what? It was the right timing for me. I was unhappy already. I got made redundant. I went to London for two weeks to go see my sister. And then I came, I think just before I went to London, I had a chat with you going, yes. what am I doing? You just went through this. What do I do now? And I called Kayla as well. And we were all just sitting around. I'm yeah. um, just like, I need advice from every single I know. person. I was like, and, why don't we start a podcast? And you said, why don't we start a podcast? <laughs> sure, I got nothing else on. Let's figure it out. And, <laughs> and I think it was this thing where we were sort of saying, okay, let's do it. If it feels right, if we get the right idea, if it feels yeah. right, we'll do it. I, I didn't hang up that phone thinking in two months' time we'll have a podcast. But in two months' time, you and I started this and... I couldn't believe how quickly between the two of us we pulled it together. And I know. It was a mammoth task, you've got to yeah. say. Like, I don't think we both expected how much work was involved with no. setting it up. And I think it was that thing where both of us were like, we are going to push this because if we don't do this, someone else will. If we don't take our chance, yeah. we got to make our own future. That's right. And I think as well, you know, the in design community, like, you know, all the furniture and homewares brands are 
we've been working with have been so good to us over year, over the years and also you know they would share their stories with us yeah. and then it would stop with us no yeah. one else heard it and it was like they're so amazing inspiring stories like they need to be heard you know totally. there needs to be a platform for this so i think it was our you know for us it was our way it's our way of giving back you know yeah. and sharing their stories very yeah. inspiring stories and they've worked really hard to to be where they are and yeah it was just more of a passion project wasn't it totally and, and i think what we both got out of it and you know i'll speak for myself i was really lost i had a great job i left it to go to my dream job that i never expected to have and then two years later i'm out without any job going what am i doing yeah. now i still work with sylvia she's the only food person i will work with because i just don't want to do food but i love her by hearing all these stories of how people started their businesses and how maybe even some of them like you know kip and co were only going for six years or something and i'm like that's insane they've done so much in such a short amount of time but no one had it easy things just don't fall into place and it was so inspiring it's true. and it still is yeah. to hear these stories every week it's given me that big kick and push to go okay you want to do something don't talk about it just do it the worst thing that yeah. can happen is that you fail. And hey, guess what? You've been fired. You've crashed a car. You fell out a window. <laughs> you've been made redundant. You've had your heart broken. Like, you try it and it doesn't work. What's the worst that can happen? You can't fall so out true. another window. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> that's as bad as it gets, really. <laughs> really as bad as bad as it gets. So, you know, and I already did that when I was a kid. So that's fine. That's done. Uh, and so, yeah, I think it's, I'm now in this, this very exciting space and it's like anything can happen next. Yeah, that's right. So what else are you working on? I'm doing a bit more interior design work. It's all sort of come full circle, which has been really interesting. Yeah. Been doing a bit of styling. So I've got a couple of design jobs, did a, doing a bit of styling. I did a really incredible project last year, actually, that right after I finished up at Inside Out, Edwina Bartholomew contacted me from Channel 7. I know Edwina through Pip from Jumbled. So it all, it's all <laughs> sometimes who you know, it's all the networking. <laughs> and she said, oh, I yep. work with this charity and they're redoing this sandstone building at Prince of Wales Hospital. I need to do interiors, but can you help? Because I'm not an interior designer. I said, yeah, I'd love to. Sure, I'll come and check it out. And it was for a cancer survivorship center for the Naloon Foundation. And pretty much it was a space where after people finish their cancer treatment, a lot of them sort of feel like you then just go home. Cancer's done, you're cancer-free, you go home. And it's like there's so much more that follows after you finish your cancer treatment. And if you have to go back, you have to go into a hospital again to meet with a doctor and it's a very cold and... People have PTSD from experiences like that. So this was just like yeah. a safe space, community space where people could go feel like they're at home and really enjoy themselves and not feel threatened. Or if they have to go for a counselling session, it's not on plastic chairs in the office boardroom, yeah, yeah. you know? It's much more comfortable. Yeah. Home and, yeah. And so we did this yeah. project and... I helped design it and it was this amazing, very rewarding sort of experience. And um, on the opening night of the centre, you know, they had cancer survivors and I posted some pictures on Instagram of the space and people sending messages going, I wish my dad had something like this. I wish my son had somewhere like this to go. I wish mum had this. When, And I was like, wow, that's, 
it didn't like I knew it was a special project. It wasn't until people actually said, "No, this is what we yeah, it wish." Means they, so much. It meant so much, yeah. and it was a really, really special project. So I'm actually working with the hospital again on a couple more hospital oh, rooms, awesome. and again, cool. never thought I would be designing hospital rooms, but you no, just but never, that's awesome. It, yeah, you know, you're designing, but for a really special purpose and yeah. meaning, and it's really meaningful and you know, it's going to benefit so many people. Yeah, I think there's... It's amazing. It, there's lots of, feel like, maybe it's good karma that goes with it or something. But it's also, it's just a good opportunity and try something different. I think I've stopped planning yeah. a lot. I've stopped plan- making the five-year plan, the 10-year plan, because life changes too much. No one would have seen well, what I mean, who would have, we are now. <laughs> who would have thought that COVID was going to, you know, change... 2020 yeah. no one expected 20 everyone's like 2020 is gonna be my year it's gonna be oh, awesome absolutely <laughs> expected not <laughs> um and that's the thing like a lot of my work that i had planned for 2020 has been cancelled or postponed have to yeah. think on our fate really quickly yeah and say which brings us to the future what, yeah. what are you gonna do what's what's on the cards yeah um i do have a little story project that I'm working on aside from you know I want to keep styling I want to keep designing doing what we're doing love the podcast we have more of this to come yeah and yep then I was at the farm a few weeks ago and I was styling a bit just rearranging because we were in lockdown there and got bored so I was restyling and taking photos and then I was like I need a bit of art for the farm and just couldn't find anything that I wanted at the price point I wanted and you know we have a pretty good knowledge base of the industry because of our work. Yeah. And there was just this one little bit of product that I couldn't find. So I don't want to give too much away just yet because I don't want this to be delayed a few moments. But I have started working with an artist and we're putting together a collection of beautiful, affordable art that really isn't on the market. And that's as much as I think I'll say because I'm getting... But yeah, it's really, that's really cool. It's really exciting. It's exciting. So yeah. you can hold me to this now. It's on recorded on microphone. It's yeah, exactly. I'm aiming for a, this is actually going to happen now. Yeah, I'm aiming for July. <laughs> so let's see. But I'm cool. really excited, and you've seen a few pictures, and yeah, I have. I, yes, I, I'm just it's beautiful. I'm just yeah. I think I think there's something special, and it, you know, again, getting to work with like up and coming artists and help the design community give a bit back as well as well yeah, as give them a platform yeah, yeah as well as figure out and make money and try and you know push the career forward all the things that you yeah, actually need to do cool, as well <laughs> yeah it's a cool little side hustle and a pivot yeah. to your career as well yeah yeah amazing Ooh, That's yeah awesome. so exciting wow yeah, lots, we a lot. <laughs> yeah we covered a lot i don't know i think there's you know, that's the first 15 years of this industry and this career for me. And I think, who knows? Like, who knows what comes next? I, I, I actually have no idea. Especially after 2020. Who, Absolutely. who knows? Yeah. It's exciting, though. Well, I guess that takes us into the Fast Five. Yes. Okay. I'm ready. Number one, your dream holiday destination. Mm. Lots of places around the world. I'm Mm -hmm. going to choose somewhere that I've already been to, mainly because my sister was supposed to get married in Marrakesh this year and we were getting ready to go over for the wedding and I don't think it's going to happen this year anymore. So my dream destination is Marrakesh for my sister's wedding. Yeah. Whenever that may be. 
it'll happen. Yeah. Maybe yep. next year. Yeah, I might have to push it back to next year. And your dinner party guests. Now, I already know one of them. Well, I'm changing <laughs> it up. I'm throwing in curveballs. I had a good think about it. And then I was like, you know what? I want to sit at a table and I want to laugh and drink and have a good time. And so I went with like my all-stars comedy lineup of my favorite right. comedians. So not, not, not J.K. Not JK Rowling. Rowling. I think I know <gasps> enough about Harry what? Potter. I've decided I know all <laughs> I need to know about Harry Potter. <laughs> so I've got Amy Poehler, Mindy Kaling, Maya Rudolph, Tina Fey, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Ali Wong, and Dan Levy from Schitt's Creek. I just thought, I want a fun, be- fun, fun yeah. evening. Where it hurts because that you're laughing. That would be hilarious. Yeah. That would be awesome. And me. Am I coming too? Oh, of course. I'm not a comedian. That's, that's okay. We can all laugh. <laughs> cool. And number three, who are your design heroes? Yeah, interesting one. You know, I was looking at that. And it's funny when you get these, I get it now. The guests get these questions and they actually, you go, oh my gosh, I have to rack my brain for the most intelligent yeah. answer or something. Um, I've always loved Ray and Charles Eames. I've always mm-hmm. loved the Eames chair. I I yep. love their work. I have a little illustration of them in their house on my wall. I am obsessed with them. Oh, nice. Um, and I look yep. through a lot of, at the moment, I'm looking at a lot of American designers and what they're doing. I think the way that they handle their careers and the way they run their businesses and can be slashies and all sorts of things, I find really interesting. I'm obsessed with Justina Blakeney. Mm-hmm. You know, I, yep. her style isn't actually what I call my style, but there's something about her work and the way she is and is so authentic that I look at everything she does and I go, oh my God, I need to have it in my house. Even if it's not my style, yeah. she sells it so well. And I just think she's yeah, yep. talented and incredible. And I also really love two design studios in America, Amber Interiors and mm-hmm. Studio McGee. They're two of the yeah. really big Pinterest Instagram yeah. designers. Right, but yep. I think they do a very interesting traditional look that feels very modern and fresh. And I don't think we see a lot of it in Australia. And I think it's a, a look that could translate really well to Australian audiences. So I'm really inspired by them yep. a lot as well. And number four, what is your advice for up and coming stylists? Yeah. Um, work really hard is the first thing. Assist and also take your time. There is no rush. It doesn't matter what age you are, where you come from, what your background is, if you have education, if you don't. If you want to do this, take your time. Learn from everyone. You know, I've had a few assistants over the years. They do two shoots with you and then on the third shoot they go, well, this is my day rate. And I'm like, that's more than my day rate. I, I didn't go through the same systems as you assisted a lot through magazine. And I'm sure there were many days of unpaid assisting. And oh, most, pretty much all my days assist, assisting was unpaid. Yeah. And, you <laughs> that's know, just it, how the way it is. And I didn't come up through the magazine the system. Before. Yeah, exactly. And I didn't come through the magazine system, but I went through Temple and Webster and I did a lot of time there unpaid one day a week. You know, I did so many assisting shoots on food shoots unpaid and it's really hard. And if I, I get it, but you know, you got to, if you want to do it, you've really got to work hard. And I think nowadays you've got to work even harder because there's fewer jobs out there and there's a, there's more people. So mm-hmm. get your contacts, make the right contacts. And also yeah. if you're looking for something to style, 
style your own home. You all have the first job you ever have is your own home, whether you rent, whether you're staying at your parents' house, whatever it is, move furniture, take photos, learn to take a really nice photos, build your own brand because that's how you're going to get shots. If you can't get in a studio, if you can't afford a photographer, do it yourself. Give it a go. Yep. Like it. And number five, what does your dream house look like? Oh, well, dream house. Well, would we ever be able to fully design the perfect dream house? I don't know. Um, my partner is a extreme minimalist. I am a self-described curated maximalist. So you sure are. Yeah, it's gonna be a very interesting <laughs> like wing eight. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. We'll I'm have like the minimalist wing and the maximalist wing. Yeah. So I need to figure out. A, how to combine that. And I don't know, I really, like, can I just move into Nate and Jeremiah's house in New York? That looks pretty yeah. nice. I mean. I know, that looks amazing. Actually, yeah, you know, we spend a lot of time trawling through dream houses on domain and looking for real estate. And I'm just like, I don't know how I'm going to do it. When the day comes to build the dream house or renovate the dream house, I don't know how I'm going to do it. Let's just say I'll just move into Nate and Jeremiah's. Maybe they'll adopt me. That is the exact same predicament that I'm in right now. I bet. I know. (laughs) Yeah, there's so much reference and inspiration everywhere. And yeah, it's... It's so much harder when it's for yourself, you know. Exactly. You just see so much and then you want it all, but you need to be cohesive and like, ah. And budget. Yeah. Exactly, and budget. And budget. Yes. Oh boy, I don't envy you, but I look forward to it. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks so much for uh, joining us on the House of Style. Thanks for having me here. (laughs) That was fun. (laughs) Thanks so much to Jono for joining me on the House of Style. You can follow Jono on Instagram at jono.fleming. You can find us on Instagram at the House of Style podcast and tell your friends and don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Thanks for stopping by the House of Style.